A.W. Tozer once said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This is a series called God Is. In this series, we're going to let God describe for himself who he is through the pages of his word. Today's title is God is Good. And would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word from Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit comes contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. God, this is your word, and these are your people. Would you let those who have ears hear today, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our focus is God is good today, but we need to wrestle with this concept first that's uh, presented to us because that's what God looked at and saw that it was good. We are created in God's image. This is called the doctrine of Amago Dei. What does that mean? Are we like God? Well, yes and, and no. Yes, we are like God. God is very creative. He has a creative, imaginative mind. One of the reasons Mike Glenn and I get along so well is, is we have big imaginations, big ideas. It gets us in trouble sometimes. But God is even more creative than me. I think he's even more creative than Mike Glenn. I don't tell him I said that, okay? Just for fun, go home this afternoon and Google weirdest looking animals. God is pretty creative. We're told God can be grieved, so he has emotions. I don't think he operates out of them much as we do. I don't think God ever posts in, on Facebook in anger. But we have emotions in the image of God. Yet, obviously, we are different from God. God is sovereign. We aren't. He knows everything. The scripture, scripture says he actually knows the secret things. Obviously, there's so much that we don't know. Our youngest son, Nate, is so much like me. He's also a pastor, and people say he talks like me and looks like me and acts like me in so many ways. His, his wife has often told me, I'm going to watch you because I know what he's going to turn out like someday. He's in my image. 
but he's also so incredibly different from me. We're unique. He's, much, he's a much deeper thinker than I am. I always said my boys are better men than I was at their age. But, but here's the more important understanding from these verses. You see, it's not until we understand the image in which we were created, the Omega Day, that we can fully understand our uniqueness by our Creator. And ultimately, understanding how we are created should change the very way we view other people, the way we interact with others, even the way we treat people. When you see another human being, you're viewing an image bearer of God. Look around the room for just a minute and how many image bearers we have here this morning. We should hold a high view of those who are created in the image of God. The doctrine of Omega Day should, should determine how we view pornography and sex trafficking and slavery and racial injustice because they bring harm to someone who is formed in the image of God. It's why life is precious to us from the womb to the tomb. I, I was reading in, in Luke recently, and there's a short phrase at the end of verse 30, chapter 6, verse 35, when Jesus was commanding us even to love our enemies. And it says this, it says, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Think on that for a minute. As Christ followers, that's how we are to, to be to all who are formed, all who are created in the image of God. Every life is precious, valuable, created in the image of God. There's a mystery in exactly what it means to be in God's image, but here's what we do know. There's something about human beings that are unique from all other creation. We are like God in a way that all the other creation is not. And that makes life worthy of dignity. The reason a redeeming God wants to redeem is because we are precious creations of God. God looked at his creation, the Omega Day, and he said, this is good. Of course, something happened to our perfect design, our image of God. God created us in his image with the ability to create and to choose and to make decisions. And as we chose to go our own way, sin entered the perfect creation. You know, humans are the only created species that can choose to do other than what we were created to do. But today's topic is God is good. God is good, God is great, let us thank him for our food. You remember that? And the whole theme of scripture teaches us that God is great, that he is good, because, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. God's work is good because God himself is good. Will you say that with me right now? God is good. Say it again, God is good. God saw all that he had made and it was good. And good news, the good news is even when I'm not good, God is good. 
When I am unfaithful, he is faithful and good. Thankfully, God's actions towards me are not determined by my character, but by his. Say that with me again. God is good. You might memorize that by the time the sermon's over. And here's the key. If God is good, then you can trust him. You can trust him when you feel like trusting him and even when you don't. Now, I realize something. Some of you are in situations right now where you don't feel like that is true, that God is good. Of course, that produces natural questions, questions which have existed since the the fall of man, questions such as, if God is so powerful, why doesn't he end my suffering So he must not love me enough. And if he does love me enough, but doesn't end my suffering, then does that mean he's not powerful enough? And for both of those questions, we need only look to the cross. We know he loves us enough that he sent his son to the cross. And we know he's powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead. We call that the gospel. It's good news. Jesus Christ suffered a substitutionary death on the cross. Instead of having to pay the price for my sin, Jesus died for me. But how do we reconcile our natural questions to everyday life? When we look around a world that is not good, or when I look into my own life and I see things in my own life that are simply not good, what do I do when those questions remain? There are a lot of places I could take you in Scripture that would indicate that God is good even in a fallen world. But let's just consider one verse, Romans chapter 8, famous verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, that's not just cliché. That's not just to print it out and hang it on a wall. That's biblical truth. The meaning of good in Romans and Genesis is slightly different. Paul Wilkinson is one of our resident staff, uh, scholars on staff, and so we have several around here that we'll go to sometimes and ask questions. I said, Paul, help me with reconcile these two words, because I was handed this text to preach. I didn't pick it. I said, help me, help me reconcile those, those two terms. And, and, and Paul said, the term in Genesis 1 is aimed more at beauty, honor, noble, desirable. He said, Rome, the Romans' word has a kind of moral weightiness to it, um, good as in living morally, righteously, godly, etc. He, he said, in Genesis, we learn that God made all the creation, and then specifically male and female, in God's image with the capacity for a relationship with him. Of course, we must believe a relationship with God is the most desirable existence. In Romans, God working all things for good is towards what's most desirable for us. Then Paul said, both provide a strong reason for us to trust God no matter my current state of life. From Genesis to Romans, God is bringing about what is most desirable to us. Romans 8, 28 brings back 
to as a simple truth. What was broken in the fall is being recreated even now towards something that is ultimately good. None of us would look around the world today and say, this is good. Okay, I'm satisfied right now. This is as good as it ever needs to get. So God is working things for an ultimate good. Listen, if you ever find yourself in a desperate place, know that God has not abandoned you. He knows your name and he knows your pain. He has a plan. And one day when it is confirmed for you, you will find out that it is good. The silence of God does not equate an absence of God. He's always working. Faith doesn't answer the how or when question. Sometimes it doesn't even answer the what. But what faith does is always answer the who question. Part of faith is believing God is good even when it may feel otherwise. The question I have for you this morning is, do you believe this? Do you trust that God is good? Samantha was a happy professional single mother. I I wouldn't say Samantha was antagonistic against faith. It wasn't that she was against religion. She She just didn't see a need for it. She was very educated, had strong opinions, grew up in a family with strong opinions. Religion just simply made no real sense to her. Samantha's world changed in one day when all her children were suddenly and tragically killed in a single accident. Friends of Samantha's called me to see if I would reach out to her and it was awkward at first. She wasn't that interested, but she was hurting. And so she agreed to meet and over time as we would meet and talk about the scriptures, she'd ask me questions. She just, she wanted to believe but she couldn't get past some of the miracles. She, she knew about, more about science than she did about the Bible. And so she would call and she'd say, okay, what about this seven day creation thing? Do I have to believe that? I said, not right now, just hold on to that. What about this story of Noah? I mean, like there's a big boat and all the animals just kind of came and got on the, do I have to believe that? I said, just hold on to that right now. What, what about Jesus walking on water? You think that was literal? I said, that's okay, just hold on to that right now. One day she called, she said, what about this Jesus rising from the grave? I said, you gotta hold on to that one. Now we're keeping that one, you know, that's the biggie. This went on for months. One Saturday night, the person who introduced me to her at first called and said, Samantha would like to meet you at church tomorrow morning. So I met her the back of the auditorium. And she said, I don't understand it all. It doesn't all make sense to me, but I choose to believe. And she chose that day to believe in the risen Savior to save her. But Samantha had to come to grips with the reality that even in the worst time of her life, God is still good. My challenge to you this, in this message It's to place your faith in the reality that God is good. 
I'm not saying everything in your life is good. Certainly not everything in this world. But I can assure you of this, God works through the hardest times of life to bring about his best for us. God never wastes a wait. And when you look back at the sum total of your life, this is one of my favorite statements to say to our church, when you look back at the sum total of your life, there will not be one moment in it that you'll not be able to say God is not ultimately good. That's the truth of Genesis and Romans and the entire Bible. Part of maturing as a believer is by faith, accepting truth and living your life accordingly. So when life comes at you and it's not very pretty, you remember, you remind yourself, wait a minute, God is good. Say that with me one more time. God is good. God made a world and said it was good because God himself is good. One day, all will be reconciled. Until then, we trust him. Listen, if there's never been a time when you placed your faith in a very good God by believing in his risen son, Jesus, the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. If you've never done that, would you do that right now? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? Talk to your creator. You're in his image, you know. Tell him you trust him. Tell him you know he's good. Tell him you choose to believe. God is good and he loves you. Dear Lord, I pray for these people that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're a good God and that they would trust you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if there's never been a time that you have placed your faith in Christ, we would love to talk to you before you leave this morning. Don't leave this place without wrestling through your faith. Thank you for being here.